the, the subject for the evening talk is mind-body consciousness. Understandably, we give a great deal of concern to the varying events which are taking place in the composite of mind-body activity. And we see that at different times and to varying degrees, both mind and, and body are a, a force, a sustained force of interest for us born of the variety and tremendous variety too at that of experiences which can emerge out of both. And sometimes we see too in this relationship to life that the physical experience which are taking place appear as predominant to us and then at other times the, the mental life. And of course to varying degrees varying degrees and particularly with the more intense forms of experience, then both mind and body are noticeably um, affected by affected. And so in our relationship to life we we are in terms of our individuality constantly by necessity having to refer to the condition, the actual fact of the way our mind and body is. We see, too, that this mind-body life that we are experiencing is also such that it has an ongoing, moment-to-moment, whether we are aware of it or not, moment-to-moment relationship with the world. And we see that this relationship, rather simply stated, is such that we, as a mind-body complexity, have our bearing, have our influence on the world, and we can affect it in a variety of ways, but also we acknowledge and see that it's not just a one-way street, that the world itself, past and present, has its impact upon ourselves. And we see too in this relationship to the world that simply through doing good, good meanings and a non-harming activity, an activity in this world which is, contributes to the health and the welfare of other beings isn't in any way a safeguard against anything inwardly. It's not a safeguard against physical health. It's not even a safeguard against um, psychological and spiritual well-being. And so it's not an unusual situation in this world that it's not only those who one considers are engaged in unhealthy and unwholesome, uh, unhelpful activities who sometimes experience the fruits of such activities, but we see also that the good, the healthy and the wholesome engaged in this world can also experience pain, suffering in all its mind-body forms. And sometimes it's a, a rather a hard truth, a hard reality in life to, to face that wholesome and unwholesome action doesn't necessarily, or rather wholesome action doesn't necessarily provide one with any safeguards at all. 
we see too in this world that we are that we are living in that not only do we have our impact upon the world but correspondingly the world having its impact and its influence and this impact and influence can affect us as we know full well can affect us very much in the situation in the moment in the experience of what is occurring but the very strength of the impact either through vulnerability in all the inner causes or through the intensity of what comes across to us can affect us throughout life so something which occurred in one's earlier years the implosion shall we say upon oneself can have its follow up its consequences throughout the course of existence and this you and i in our day to day life in our whole ex- experience of this phenomenal world have to keep reconciling ourselves to and it seems sometimes almost a harsh world to be lived to be living in when we see that sometimes the good the generous and the kindly have to suffer so much and we see sometimes that the greedy and the aggressive seem and appear to suffer so little and one wonders why why this is so and perhaps therefore our emphasis in life in some way has to has to switch perhaps we have to look in in other ways one of the, one things which does occur with us <clears throat> as i mentioned is our frequency of concern and involvement understandably with what's happening physically and mentally and it does seem when one enters into meditation into therapy into body mind work of any form that it seems to and to some degree i feel actually does exaggerate what is occurring that in our actual bringing our attention to our mental physical life it's almost as though we 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 bring a kind of microscope to it we we bring binoculars to it we we look at something and we get close up to something and in getting close up to what is happening the condition of the mind the condition of the body it seems to in that time in that moment actually stand out it actually looms in itself it looms larger as so sometimes the activities of the world and what is going on around us seems to diminish in its importance when we are when we are looking at looking at mind body life but there's a difference there it's it's a difference in that in our ordinary everyday life we're not looking at we're very much identified with we're preoccupied with and our life isn't looking and perhaps to a greater degree than we really appreciate much of our life can so easily be spent in reaction to 
the reaction to events and circumstances may be reasonably calm. They may, they may be expressing some, what we might call, goodness. But very easily, it's a reaction to. And sometimes the reaction to is such, in terms of the self-structure, it begins with the letter, the word, the concept, I. And so we see in the difficulty for us in our, in, our, in our relationship to life that there is events which are occurring inside of ourselves, there's our events which we see outside, we find ourselves sometimes reacting to. There may have been in the past for us, and this is part of the difficulty of life, a reaction to and it was a small reaction to. And in that reaction to, it set our lives on a particular direction. It may be a direction which you and I deliberately choose to go in or not. So sometimes from something small, it develops into a life pattern. I'm not saying whether it's good or bad, but just... How, that, how our life is easily sets on its road in a particular way because of reaction to. That reaction to may well be doing much good in the world and not to underestimate that in any way. But there are things in life which, in a way, transcend the significance of doing good. We hear too, in our, in, our, in our the social world, in the kind of framework of language that we refer to, we hear much of the importance, and again, not to dismiss in any way at all, the importance of raising consciousness. You know, a few years ago, the, this word was a phrase which kind of got absorbed now into rhetoric, was used with tremendous frequency with regard to particular issues. And the way that we saw that, generally speaking, was that we brought together people, situations, ideas, literature, information, which we gave attention to. And in giving attention to, our consciousness was changed, hopefully for the better, in order to make us more clear. So it was a combination inside of ourselves of mind and body activity giving sufficient stimulation to consciousness, meaning being consciousness, to raise or to open our consciousness. And so that the route, that route as you say here in the States, that we went through was via the impact again of mind and body in order to stimulate consciousness an important and necessary function of, of human beings as a means, a clear means, to try to get us out of our fixations, our conditioned patterns. Therefore, contributing to one's own welfare and clarity, contributing to the welfare and clarity of others, 
but not going far enough. So since this is what we are familiar with, since this is either a situation in life where either we're just stuck in our mode, we're just stuck in the kind of consciousness that we have in its interaction with mind-body, fixed as almost a belief it's an unchangeable reality. Meaning, when the mind comes up and says, well, I can't do anything, this is the way I am. That's superimposing a fixation on the mind-body consciousness reality. We see that something doesn't sit right with that, doesn't feel, feel right with that, so we work on mind, body, and with certain issues we work on our consciousness to raise or open our consciousness. So to some degree or other, the output which is taking place here through the group discussions, through the talks of, of uh, Jamie and I, is to some extent hopeful fully something which contributes, it passes through the body, eyes and ears and the registration on the senses, enters into the mind and hopefully, possibly, something which is useful and beneficial for one touches one's consciousness, makes one a little bit more alert, makes, brings a little bit more energy, creates a little bit more focus. And so that one has, knows that one has, it were, the, I mean to use a fancy word, the transmission which has taken place, the talking which is being communicated, has been able to be received for consciousness, to be more conscious. So much of what is said and everything has that kind of emphasis. But, 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 it's still using, beneficial as it actually is, the means of receptivity on the one side, in this case your willingness to listen wholeheartedly, whole mind-bodily, along with a communication. It's a step. But the relationship of consciousness to mind-body, I'll try to define these to make it a bit clearer in a minute, Consciousness to mind-body is a very significant one. And so one asks oneself, can consciousness, that means the element of being conscious of, can consciousness come to its own flowering, to its own maturing, to its own expansiveness, free of being stuck? So there's a shift in emphasis which is taking place in which, in our practice, we are giving, hopefully, full accord and full receptivity to the world which is communicating itself. And there's much which can touch us here. Please believe me, not just talks and meditation, much which can touch us. And there is also this rapport something occurring within ourselves to enable us to be more conscious and what we're saying here, be more conscious of body-mind. Be more conscious of breath-body-mind. 
And when speaking of the body fairly uh, self-evident insofar as the physical components, the energy, the vibrations, the form, the parts of the body, the cells of the body, tissues, etc., 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 body. Body doesn't exist separate from mind in human life. Mind being M-I-N-D, simply a general label which is applied to the vast repertoire of mental life. A whole spectrum, you know, whether the concentrated mind to dull mind, to feelings and emotions, to thoughts, memories and plans, to, to uh, a firm mind, to scattered mind, to insightful mind, whatever it might be to absorbed mind, to joyful mind. All of that world is, that mental world, has a relationship with the body. And just as the world around is constantly influencing and affecting us, mind, body are constantly influencing and affecting each other and our state of consciousness. And here, as I mentioned, we're making a contribution and perhaps a, an important and substantial switch to looking directly at that mind-body life. In our looking, looking directly at it, we would say, conceptually speaking, being conscious of means the same as being aware of. observing. One might say, just for this, you know, because uh, the semantic problems here, one might say, whichever you like, one can say consciousness is part of the mind, if one wants to expand the label to include that, or one might say for, that there is the mind, not that consciousness is an independent element, but one might say consciousness can look at the mind. It can be aware of the mind. In our looking and, and, and our being, being aware of the mind, some, we see too that in that di direct observation which is taking, taking place, some aspects of the mind, some of the things which we see in our mind, body, we really wish to let go of and give up. We feel, we know, we sense that in one way or other we could best be without. And it only ta it doesn't take three days to find that out, surely. <laughs> so our relationship to the mind and our relationship to the physical life is, if ever, never maybe, a wholehearted total acceptance. So in what we see, meaning what we experience, what we know is actually happening, we're, we're, we're constantly separating, constantly saying, this I can accept. I can accept my peace. I can accept joy. I can accept calmness. I can accept balance. I can accept a focused mind. I can accept a sense of direction. But after that... <sighs> 
So we have a relationship to it, and that relationship to what is taking place through being what we are conscious of means that our view, our position, our perception never remains the same. Never. You know, lo looking at the, the mind-body activity, one of the important and unnecessary things is that, that in being aware that at times we see that what's, what is it that really tightens it all together? What is it that gives it a kind of stickiness? What is it that makes, as it were, the consciousness such that it becomes so enmeshed in this mind-body life, that that's what one sees oneself to be. That's what feels one is constituted. And one looks and says, well, why is that? What is actually happening? And somewhere it seems, within the dynamic and the process, there is the force, the influence of identification with. And when the identification is with what is occurring, it acts as an additional impetus or additional impact on what is occurring. And so every, every reference to oneself has within it identification. It's not possible to have a reference for oneself of who I am, what I was, what I will be, how I am now, what I am experiencing, etc., etc., without identifying and taking up something as being oneself. And yet there's something funny about it. There's something odd about that. Something odd about wanting to give up something. If we are truly all that we experience, is, and we want to give up something, one might as I want to give up my anger, I want to give up my sadness, I, wa I want that to go, I don't, want to, I don't want this pain anymore, I want it all to go. If we are truly all of that, we're saying, I want to go. I want to get rid of myself. I want to end me. But my goodness, there's not too many candidates who are keen for that. So how can one take a hold of, cut the mind up into bits and pieces and say, right, keep this, get rid of that? If that is the case, then we're going to be regarding ourselves as consisting of thousands of bits and pieces called me. Millions dozens, or if one is ambitious, just a few <laughs> selves. I don't like the fact I am happy, therefore I don't want to be unhappy, therefore I want to get shot of that. I, I, am, I am feeling happy today, I like this happiness, I don't want to lose it, I want to be that. So the identification with influences and affects to such a degree that we're trying to preserve and trying to get rid of. Our whole life can be spent efforting on that principle. A whole life. 
struggling to hang on to, struggling to get rid of. Struggling to be good, struggling not to be seen or be bad. Struggling to be accepted, not being able to be unaccepted. And so our life becomes, as it were, fragmented because of the potency of identification with. And behind all that identification with is fear. Always there, like, like lurking, as it were. And the peculiarity when we, with fear, fear of body and change or loss or whatever, fear of, of life, of mind, of insecurity, whatever it form it may, may take, one of the things about fear is that one doesn't necessarily feel it. We often speak of fear and we think we'll wait for the sensation of it. And when one is feeling afraid or feeling terrified or whatever, or feeling insecure, but it can be at work affecting mind-body and our relationship to it without knowing it, without knowing its presence, without knowing the intimation of it is affecting our being and our, our existence. Therefore, the meditative observation in, in being more conscious it is such as that process that we're seeing where we're building up identification with. Sometimes, where to the, sometimes we begin to touch the feelings that originally begin to spark and create the reaction, create what's happening to us in our life. And isn't it such that with all of this, what we experience and go through in our life, sometimes it might be very vague, but a kind of intuition, some sense, some deeper sense that it's not necessary to be like this. That in spite of everything which you and I go through and endure, there's something there, not a voice, but an intimation, let us say, that, it's, that it doesn't have to be this way. <coughs> and that faint murmur from the deeper recesses of one's being has beauty and significance beyond parallel. So, in the inner work, which is, let us say, a consciousness activity, it is such that we're changing the emphasis. And it's a very important change. We're changing the emphasis from deliberately, no matter how beneficial and skillful it may be, stimulating the components of the mind, to one of switching the emphasis from putting the energy into the mind, to putting the energy into the consciousness which is observing. And there's a shift actually going on. And each moment you and I make that shift, 
in, from being identified and embroiled in the activity to one of being aware of, being with. That means that consciousness is gaining some energy. When the consciousness begins to gain some energy and becomes stabilized, spiritual practice, spiritual path is truly underway. Now we see, even just working with the breathing, which is a most ordinary, familiar, everyday object, the extraordinary difficulty of looking directly at one aspect of the body. It's as though we have to go via the mind, as I was describing it, have to, have to go through the mental activity. We have to go to the breath via our mental constructions. We're interpreting, as Jamie was talking last night, and, and judging and comparing. We're controlling, we're trying to hold, we're trying to let go of. So, in coming, being conscious directly of, it seems and it's felt and it's experienced time and time again that the mind plays its part. Our practice is being aware of what part it is playing. Of, see, of seeing the part, seeing the influence, seeing what this instrument does in life. Now in our practice there, as I say, there's an energy because of the change towards more direct observation whether it's listening here and now, whether it's observing of the breathing, it, in that change which is taking place, one becomes, hopefully, gradually more centred. More still and steady in the face, directly in the face of what is occurring. In this becoming more steady, I know it's a long day, I'm always um, aware of people who uh, in, in this work start, you know, to be start at uh, five, or we will tomorrow morning, and go through till nine. You know, it's a little bit like daily life, except in daily life one starts from nine and goes through to five. <laughs> and uh, so everything seems to be at an about turn, and keeping one's, uh, after a long day, attention focused and listening. Um, can be rather, rather difficult, I appreciate that. But one can always remember that the pillows have more than one use in here. And so, in this relationship of mind, <laughs> mind body and <laughs> consciousness, in that, in that relationship, as I say, spirituality seems, appears to be very much concerned with the condition of mind-body of be having a mind-body which is harmonized and integrated and so forth. And it's true, but it's only true in the beginning. It's only, only true as part of the practice. It's only true as a ways and means to live more 
intelligently and, and more clearly. But coming to more deeper levels, then the mind-body in a way has to, in a way, take care of itself. Take care of itself meaning the preoccupations with fashioning it in the way that one would like begin to be let go of. It's not only letting go of what one doesn't like, but to some degree letting go of making it something other than what it is right now. So if it's breathing and it's breathing, if it's calm breathing, it's calm breathing, and if it's unsteady, erratic breathing because of emotional or control factors, that's what it is. And it's as though everything inside of us says no. Everything inside of us says, this is not acceptable, this idea. Everything inside of us says, well, what's the point of coming here if I'm not going to change anything? <laughs> Which is a good question. So putting the emphasis on consciousness, and, and as in all caring spiritual religions, there's something important here about the element of faith and trust. Faith and trust that if we observe, if we are willing to be conscious human beings, and to me there is no other alternative in life, it's either be conscious or not be alive at all that if we are to be truly conscious human beings, the element of faith is one which lends itself more to being comfortable with what's happening. And the talks and the framework and the encouragement, somehow or other, it will keep bringing all of us back to this theme. Not so that we lead a nice, comfortable life and everything is hunky-dory, if that's at all possible, but in order that consciousness is so not so much involved in it all, not so much trapped in it, not so much sweltering under this heat of the mind. And therefore in our practice and in our, in our being conscious, in a, it's, the significance of it is not to make Consciousness an independent separate entity, which it cannot possibly be, nor is it in any way to reject mind-body life, because that's just a, a reaction to it. Mind-body consciousness are a whole, they are interrelated. But the conscious or the consciousness is not to make it some glorified ultimate end in itself, but in order, with less identification and more clear seeing, there is another kind of receptivity. One doesn't have to speculate what this receptivity to is. One doesn't have to speculate is it's a receptivity of some universal nature or receptivity to the deeper intimations of the mind-body where or, or from God, or whatever one says, one is not concerned with trying to locate 
the source of the receptivity. It will come in its own course. And in that receptivity, even consciousness, even being aware of, with all the life beauty that entails in that, that you and I as human beings have this extraordinary element. It's such a rare privilege in the whole universe of existence to have the capacity to be conscious of and respond to what one is conscious of. So in this privileged light which you and I are participating, let us express clearly as possible the element which makes us unusual that we can be conscious of, we can affect and influence the world, the world can affect and influence us, and we can bring about a beneficial influence by being more conscious human beings. If we are willing to make that switch to transference of greater energy in that respect, to being aware, being mindful, being conscious, all the same thing as I mentioned, there is the potential, a staggering potential to gain access somewhere else in which the will of the mind, the forcing of the mind can never go to. In other areas of life, if you have enough knowledge and enough willpower and, in, and the right kind of conditions, you can go out, as you hear so often from education, go out and get what you want. This way, no way. Not a hope. No way. Will cannot bring this, 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 these discoveries. So our receptivity and understanding the mechanism, the processes of mind-body is in a way in order that we can leave it as it is. That it can just be and it's okay and it's just being. And if it takes a lot of work to get more self-knowledge and insight and understanding so that we can just let it be, then please, for God's sake, do it. Not for an end in itself, in order to release consciousness from its state of being ensnared. And in that, as I mentioned finally, in that, in our... our and our attention to life and then our looking into mind-body life and, and all that's implied in that. It's not to make consciousness in any way an end in itself. It's not to be a fully conscious human being because the element of consciousness, the element of awareness, whatever language we call it, is not as an end in itself but it's an open doorway. An open doorway. And to speak of what is, of through that open doorway, is not to understand. How can language and all its restrictions and its limitations and etc etc go beyond itself (coughs) 
So let us, in these days that we are here together, give full care and attention to observing, to being mindful. Not trying to get away from the world, not trying to get a, away into some other state. It's just blind reaction, just striving, ultimately frustration. As somebody said, it's just banging their head against the wall. So let's deal with the fact, let's respond to the fact, the mind-body fact. Respond to it in such a way that in a way we might say, I want to let go of this, I want to give this up, in a way, practice, hopefully through being more conscious, in a way is to say, one is going to give the whole lot up. One is willing to sacrifice the whole lot in order for something other. good and the bad, to use those comparative concepts. The wholesome and the unwholesome. The welcome and the unwelcome. The whole lot. And in that comes love. Out of that letting go comes care, comes compassion. May all beings see into the mind-body nature. May all beings be conscious of the mind-body nature. May all beings abide expansively. Let's have a... Um, three or four minute quiet period together, please. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.